Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, and welcome to the Milestone Pursuit Podcast. It is Tuesday, the 5th of October. It is two days since the London Marathon has taken place. And so today, we're going to do a nice, easy recovery ramble around the sludgy, wet Epping Forest and have a bit of a post-race review going to look at the day, my own performance, the coaching, the elites, a little bit of a lot of things. I was going to say a little bit of everything, but that's impossible with a marathon. So much going on. But the first thing I wanted to say as we get into this, keeping it super, super easy, is that Tuesday. Tuesday is the day when post-marathon blues starts to kick in. And that's based on my own experience. Definitely suffered in the past from a feeling of deflation in the days after, after a marathon. But also the experience of others. So I know from coaching others that it can be tough after the race and obviously everyone's different and affects people in different ways and sometimes obviously not at all but the broad generic stereotypical process is something like this you get nervous and excited before the race in the days leading up you get through the race the finish line is a moment of elation irrespective of how well you've performed. Just finishing the marathon sends you into a wave of euphoria. Sometimes just because it's over. You then get lots of messages or you you see your friends and family and you get lots of acclaim from them. You then get lots of messages telling you how amazing you are, which is brilliant makes you feel amazing and you ride that way for the rest of Sunday and it's an incredible day you feel like a million dollars but you may not have slept particularly well on the Saturday night before the race because of those nerves and anxiety and you may not sleep that well on Sunday night because of the excitement the adrenaline but also perhaps the pain getting comfy in bed when you've pushed hard in a marathon can be tough. So you wake up on Monday, you're tired, but you're still riding that wave because the next wave comes in of catching up on messages, catching up with people you didn't see on Sunday, perhaps going back into the workplace, perhaps in the olden times rather than now, or even just having those calls with people everyone wants to know how you did. Everyone tells you you're amazing. 
so you get this wave that runs through Monday. But by Tuesday, you're yesterday's news. You may still want to carry on talking to people about it, but they're not interested anymore. They've moved on. And you're now emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted, and bereft of things to aim for. We had so much focus on one specific day for so long. So it can often leave us feeling blue. That might take a few days to wash its way through. So look after yourself today and for the rest of this week. And I always think the things to do are to be kind to yourself, give yourself some treats, but also be kind to others and to plan something exciting perhaps for the weekend coming up where you can appreciate something other than running and something other than yourself I guess and thinking about perhaps thinking about the people that supported you your friends, your family whoever's important and also don't make any rash decisions while you're in this slightly blue mood and certainly take things easy my own legs are sore but I'm just going very gently very slowly it's mainly my quads that are sore hamstrings as well and the whole of my left side <laughs> my toes so just keeping it super easy now the blues let's go back to the day shall we the blues are there but let's go back to the day London Marathon two and a half years since the last one isn't it just amazing what an impact the London Marathon has on so many people's lives I always think it's historically a rhythm part of the rhythm of life the last Sunday in April helps close the winter off kind of sits nicely in the calendar and is there as I say for anyone who's into road running at any level it's part of it part of the rhythm of the year and coming from farming stock the rhythm of the year is something that feels pretty natural to me because you know, the London Marathon would come sort of lambing season for example but there's always a rhythm and a pattern the way the year plays out it helps you feel grounded it helps you feel like you know where you are and that's obviously not been there for the last two years really quiet. whoa there we go <laughs> oh, by an old Labrador of course the cancellations have played havoc with that and we've had to adapt 
and that's been how we've had to handle a lot of the last 18 months is adaptation and we've even had to adapt in the race itself because it's different of course it's in October so that's a change change in the rhythm quite a big change training in the summer versus training in the winter but also the setup on the day and in the days leading up was very different too so you had the bag drop situation you had to drop your bag off before the event now living in London I went down on Thursday dropped my bag off very easy didn't take long at all but by Saturday it looked like it was become a horrendous process of people queuing outside the XL to get in queuing to drop their bag off and that's the last thing you need before running a marathon but I've not heard too many stories of people saying that that was behind a bad day for them and maybe that's because people don't talk about bad days in social media what you see is you see the end results then you? you see the finish line photos or the medal photo and that relates back to the feeling of elation that you've completed it so that was one thing that would certainly have affected some of the people's experience of the day another thing was the way you start that change in the way that they managed to start and I know that some people were too far back in a different way from perhaps they would ideally like to be in which impacted upon their race as well as they had to weave through slower runners which has quite an emotionally and physically draining impact so that was different I'll come back to the way you start in a little while the spectators were asked to stay away but they didn't but what did what, what, what so I'll start again what was different was that the charities were not out in force so those big groups kind of the charity cheer points weren't there and they are among the noisiest parts of the course and perhaps as a consequence of that some of the other spectators got better access don't know and maybe spread the the rest of the supporters around a bit more or rather thinned it out in other places sorry so there's definitely less people on the streets but it was still amazing and for me personally in some ways a bit better because I can find those, the charity cheer points which I can totally see how they're brilliant for their charity runners and really part of the spectacle of the London Marathon but it can be a bit overwhelming I think and a bit too much so it's still brilliant but different and of course as I said we're coming into this race out of a pandemic where everything's changed and just venturing into talking about my own position my own race my own training and all that sort of stuff I went into 
the training block for London in not particularly good shape. Not disastrous, but not quite where I wanted to be physically. And I mean, what I mean by that, I was carrying a few niggles. A foot problem from earlier in the year. An almost certainly connected hamstring problem that developed across the early part of the summer. And then I'm thinking, well, I need to be able to set myself a, a goal that is going to motivate me. And so I thought, okay, let's, let's start out by thinking if I can run under two hours 40, I'll secure another championship place, be able to run it again in the future, and it'll be my 10th time under 240. And I'll be pretty pleased with that given that consistency is one of the things that I, I quite treasure. So that was enough to get me out and get me started on the process. Just crossing up a new road. I'm not going to hazard. Hazard an attempt to cross the road too quickly. So under 240 was the start point, got into the training and just wanted to see how, where it took me and how it went. And by the time I went to Portugal in late August for a bit of a holiday, I was able to actually put in a really good week of training there in the heat. Didn't feel particularly brilliant at the time. I have to say, and there was a bit of soul searching going on. But that got me back into some shape and I was able to hit the last month or so and see where it took me and then I ran a 10k PB, although my 10k PB was a bit soft. Just don't run very many 10ks and then a 5k PB a week before. So that gave me a bit of encouragement and really left me with a conundrum because I was definitely better than 240 shape by now but probably not quite quick enough for the ideal dream of a sub 230 but close enough to warrant giving it a go especially when my previous best is 230-41 so you know, what's the downside of giving it a go now I'm going to come back to that point in a minute when I talk about the coaching of others so off I set in the morning of the race trying to run that but keep a lid on my pacing early on went through 5k a little bit behind where I ideally would have liked to have been which is on an even split 10k there or thereabouts half marathon a little bit quicker so picked up the pace through the first half maybe a little bit too much towards the end of the first half but I was there went through halfway in 74.43 so pretty pleased with that and then through the Isle of Dogs oh I forgot to say Tower Bridge a post race highlight running over Tower Bridge not thinking too much yeah, got home and the kids had saved it on the telly. 
Charles with, with Ewan and Joe, who I'll talk about shortly. On the telly, running across Tower Bridge. That made it fun, especially for the kids. But anyway, through the Isle of Dogs, starting to struggle a little bit. Felt we were going a little bit quick. And at that time, as I say, I was running with Ewan and Joe. Ewan running to pace Joe. Ewan, our coach, one of our coaches, is 2.19 runner. So he was cruising along quite merrily. But I felt it was getting a bit much for me, so I backed off just a touch. And uh, was inspired by seeing quite a lot of quite a lot of friends around the course through that part. So one of the advantages of running for Victoria Park Harriers and Tower Hamlets AC is that you run through Tower Hamlets. So you you see a lot of people that you know and that's always amazingly encouraging and very humbling. And then Alan Smith was there on at my shoot to hand me a bottle of Lucas Aid and that did me the world of good. So I got they got stuck into that over the course of the next mile or so. Got a bit of a second wind and whilst I dropped back from Joe and you and I was still they were still in sight maybe 50, 80 metres ahead, something like that, so not far at all. And they were still staying at that level, so I was on, I was okay. Got to 20 miles, just a touch quicker than on pace, maybe 10 seconds, but it, enough to make you think, right, so if I'm going to do this now, sub 2 30 with 10k to go, I've got to hold my ideal marathon pace the whole way. Am I going to do that or am I not? And you make that decision based on how you're feeling. Well, let's just see how the next 20 minutes go. So you get into the next 20 minutes. Hold on, but see Neil. My good friend Neil Cook handing me a bottle of Lucasade. Didn't really need it by then because I had Alan's one. It's still good to get some more calories inside me. And... I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if this is on or if it's not, but I'm going to give myself a chance. But the best way I can do, best way I can give myself a chance is to relax. And this is a great learning from the Manchester Marathon in 2019, where I rather famously or infamously had a bit of a moment on the finish line when my legs caved in because I pushed too hard and I'm probably a bit anxious. I don't, I won't achieve my, my goal at all if I, if I push that too hard at this point, so I'm going to relax, get into and hold a rhythm, and see where I'm at with 5k to go, and at that point I've gone past the Victoria Park cheer, Harriers cheer point, which was brilliant, even though I may not have looked like I appreciated it at the time, and you get to 5k to go, do the, do the maths. Actually, sorry, you get to 23 miles, which is slightly more than 5k to go, and I had about 18 minutes to get in and under 2:30, and I was, that that is slightly quicker than ideal marathon pace. And obviously, I'd run the previous 5k slightly slower, so it wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to be able to pick it up. The wind was starting to pick up. 
it was getting tough. So I just decided to relax and stay strong as, as strong as I could and finish it off and cross the line in 2.31.02 with a couple of saggy last, last miles in the six minutes. But overall a pretty strong performance. My second fastest ever and my fastest without finishing up in the medical tent. So pretty happy with that really. All things considered. And I finished not far at all behind Joe having left them. And I just wanted to talk about the coaching of others. So there's quite a few people that I coach, that Ewan coaches, that Mandy coaches as part of the Milestone Pursuit on the day, out there on the day. And one of the things I've learned through my coaching life whilst also being an athlete is to to make sure you're clear on what you're owning and what you're not. And the great learning is that once people are on the start line, there is nothing you can do. And that came from the early days of coaching, just so I'll get, I'll get across this road. And in the early days, particularly, well actually only if I wasn't running the race, I would be checking the trackers and seeing how people were doing and nervously waiting as I go through each 5k marker. And I've learned not to do that. Because this anxiety that I just don't need. Because there's nothing I can do about it. And the same applies when you're in a race and there's people around you who you coach. There's nothing I can do at that point. So I focus on my race. But this was slightly different because I could see Joe the whole way and I ran obviously up to 16 miles with him. And his goal was sub 2.30. And we felt he was in that shape. But I could see him tiring. And I could see him finding it hard in that last 5k around from Cannon Street to... Uh, Big Ben his form slipped he started to drift but he never gave up and it's so inspiring watching, watching someone keep pushing even though the goal had gone he kept pushing so inspiring gave it everything well done Joe. Same true slightly behind me as well, Sam Priestley is exactly the same. Pushing, not quite able to hold on, but kept going to the end. And so is true of lots of others, 40,000 of them in fact. But there's two more I just wanted to quickly talk about. The first is Faye Geecock running her 15th marathon at the age of 44, 
she was a victim of the short Manchester race from a few years back where she ran her best ever run but has since been expunged from the results of time because the course was short and she was suffering from not being able to get back to that level but something clicked this year and she's back in that sort of shape and more and ran 3.12 and a bit of change amazing run brilliant work championship start for Faye next time another person I just want to mention is Holly Holly Sandal running her first marathon started running during the pandemic wanted to run to help her to raise money but also because she's dogged persistent ambitious and quite frankly amazing I won't take you through some of the details of the difficulty of her life but to be able to find the energy and the time for her to be able to train is impressive enough then she suffered a little bit in, in the latter weeks of training through injury as so many first time marathoners do barely ran in the last month but still went and finished the race in 5 hours and 11 minutes just amazing now has an experience behind her that will last forever because once you run a marathon nobody can take it away from you and I just wanted now really to talk a little bit more about the coaching that we were doing through the course of the last you know, all this training block really. There's lots of people keen to run well and to get themselves into a position where they could run their best ever runs in the London Marathon and set themselves ambitious goals. And everybody trained well. Lots of people trained well. Obviously loads of ups and downs in that process. tends to be when you're training for a marathon through a pandemic when everyone's lives have changed completely from the way they were the last time they trained for a marathon and getting used to that whether it's just summer training versus winter training or whether it was your lifestyle your life had changed completely which as I say has for so many people As I said before, you know, once people have started their race, there's nothing, nothing we can do. So it's all about the setup. And it falls into two broad categories in the work that we did. 
fell into two broad categories. There's the the outcome and the outcome focused goals of what we're trying to achieve. What pace does that mean you need to run at? How are you going to manage yourself through the race? And then there's the process oriented goals. And one without the other doesn't tend to produce results. And when I when I talk about that, what I mean is how when a process oriented goal for me is all about understanding how you want the race to unfold, how you want to feel, how you want your experience to be, how you're going to manage yourself through the race, how you're going to adapt. Because my own experience of running marathons and Sunday was my 18th road marathon and my experience of coaching quite a lot of others is that those dream days where everything goes exactly to plan are few and far between maybe two or three I've had out of 18 so how you adapt to what happens is really important and that is about understanding how you want to feel through the race as I say how you want to what impact you want that race to have upon you and of course not just the race but the build up as well the training how, what impact is the training having on you And so, let's just say, a lot of the work we did was on, okay, what, what are we going to do if this happens? So things like, if you go off too fast and you get to Tower Bridge and you know you've overcooked it because the incline's feeling hard, or you get to halfway and you're bang on pace, but it's starting to feel hard already. What, what are you going to do? What choices are you going to make? What decisions are you going to make? How are you going to adapt? And the same is true at, let's say, 20 miles and, and beyond. Because the reason that I feel is so important is because if you set your stall on one outcome focused goal and that goal starts to slide then you're kind of left wondering what am I doing this for a medal in a t-shirt is that it really a medal in a t-shirt and even that you probably get this time around because I put it in your bags before the race so even if you dropped out you've probably got your medal in your t-shirt So I won't go into any of the specifics around those thoughts for people. But quite a lot of it's about you know, getting something out of it that's going to set you up for the future. Maybe not hitting your, your, your uh, outcome-focused goal, but still being able to hold a certain pace for the final part of the race. Or it might be just reminding yourself of where you came, came from 
we often forget our progression over time because we're always looking forwards and quite literally so in a race the runners are always looking forwards sometimes forget to look back at where we've come from either from where we were six weeks ago six months ago 18 months ago whatever it is and like I said I could talk all day about each individual that we supported who ran well who achieved process goals and and outcome goals but I could also talk to you about people who had bad days but I won't go into any of those details just yet maybe in time you will because it doesn't work for everybody and everyone was very different in that setup so not everybody had well the conversations were very different from one person to the next and that's one of the most valuable and rewarding things about coaching is that it's all so different Think, oh, there's, a, there's a template to marathon running and coaching and it's do this training and do this on the race day and it all falls into line but it just doesn't work like that because people are so different it's the obvious thing in the world to say but what might work for one person probably not work for someone else and that's cause we have to make as coaches as well is you know, what does this person need and sometimes we get that wrong probably often we get it wrong but it's a great day and so good to be back so good to be back competing I was personally delighted to be competing at that level again I kind of thought my best days had gone so I'm really pleased with my own my own performance the way that I thought about it the numbers are good but I'm mostly pleased about how everyone has responded to the challenge and what a great day it was for so many people and let's not forget the elites if I can return back to Holly just for a minute incredible resilience that she's shown and getting around in five hours and 11 minutes she wanted to do it a lot quicker than that but like I can say suffered and yet there are so many parallels between what Holly achieved and what Charlotte Purdue achieved in about half the time so Charlotte the first was 10th in the London Marathon and if you're not aware Charlotte is a beneficiary of our scheme to invest in British elite marathon runners to try and improve standards 
at the sharp end of the sport because we believe that those those athletes at the top inspire us all and she ran a particularly inspiring 2.23.26 third fastest woman ever in Britain but tenth on the day first Brit obviously first non-African and she did that off the back of injury through lockdown through the pandemic where she missed the Olympic trials race and despite having the second fastest qualifying time within the qualifying period she was not selected she also had the best pedigree and she was not selected she appealed it was a a bit of a fuss a bit of a travesty and she spoke up about it and I think that's incredibly brave and speaking up against selectors speaking up against the process that was put in place by the people who are likely to select her for future events it's brave but she put herself out there and then she trained and she suggested before the race that she might run fast and then she did run fast so she backed herself up with with her performance amazing so tough and that's what so many people have done through the marathon they just pick themselves up and they run and it is so inspiring and that's why it's such a great day I'll talk about the other elites another time the winner of the women's race let's acknowledge that even though we're we're talking about quite a lot of other things so Jocelyn Jekka's guy winning the women's race with I'll say Charlotte in 10th and for the men the winner of Lene Cisse and I watering two hours and four minutes amusingly he was waving at the crowd at the end of Peace and the Guardian today he was waving at the crowd at the end missed out on running under 204 which would have earned him a £25,000 bonus hey ho uh, and our man Josh another beneficiary of our scheme came second Brit 8th in the overall race the 2.13.39 so consistent just outside his PB but another great run from Josh giving it everything as well said afterwards I was in a bit of a pickle for 20 minutes after the race amazing but the final thing is the first Brit on the men's side going up a hill it's hard work Phil Sessman 2 minutes 12 2 hours 12 sorry a track runner with pedigree but 
based on some of the media coverage, you wouldn't know that. The media coverage says he's a doctor, an A&E doctor, that has a dog called Kipchoge, and he's never run a marathon before, and he won. And Twitter's going, oh no, that's so patronising and borderline insulting. And well, yeah, I can see that. But the media do it every single time with the London Marathon. They want a real human story of a normal person doing amazing things. And they forget that sometimes these normal people who do amazing things they don't just happen. They come through years of hard work and effort. But it's a great story, I and mean, that's what the London Marathon provides for everybody: is that that sense of sense of achievement, that sense of everybody can do it, whether you're Charlotte Purdue or Holly Sandal. You've run the same course in the same conditions on the same day. You've run the same distance. You are equally inspiring. And there aren't many things that can do that in the way that the London Marathon can do. And it has its faults. The bag drop, the wave starts, some of the commercialisation but it provides so much to so many people. It actually changes people's lives in ways you comprehend, whether that's Charlotte or Holly, their lives are different today than they were on Saturday. And some of that may not even unfold for weeks or days or years, knowing what impact the London Marathon has had on you, but it is a life changer, and it's so good to have it back. And I say, I said at the beginning that it's about the part of the rhythm of so many people's lives, including my own. But it's not actually that; it just creates punctuation in our life. It creates a moment that we can stop and look, it reflect reflect backwards and look forwards at the same time. So I'm going to leave you there. I'm actually going to go for a lie down. My legs are starting to get a bit sore. But it's been nice to shuffle around the forest, processing a few thoughts, as so often is the case with these recordings. I hope you got something out of it. And thanks for everybody who was so inspiring at the weekend. I'll speak to you again soon. Take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.